Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach, SumatiSparks.com. And today I'm so happy to be interviewing my newish friend, Karen Amore. She's an author, a mother, a relationship and sexuality mentor, and the founder of the Human Connection Engineers, which I want to hear more about. Um, I met Karen just a few months ago when she read an excerpt from her upcoming book about polyamory at one of our open relationship community potlucks. And then we became good Facebook friends, <laughs> as good as you can get on Facebook. Um, and then I was, also <laughs> I was also blessed to be invited to your very sweet birthday party a few weeks ago. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show, Karen. Welcome. Thank you, Sumati. It was so good to have you at my party, too. That was a real gift for me. That was very sweet. So first, I'd like to hear about what or who are the human connection engineers? Yeah, sure. Well, good old Facebook made it possible. I got inspired to start this group in the fall of last year, And it's a foundling group. We're modeling ourselves after a group in Australia called the Liberators who do really fun flash mobs and they set up eye-gazing installations in public places. And our mission is to bring more consensual affection into the public, to interrupt people's isolation on their commutes with some laughter and invite people to experience the power of eye-gazing with a stranger or synchronized breathing and things that we don't just normally do when we're out in public. So we've had fun on a couple of outings, and I'm hoping to expand it with other people who share that vision. Mm, That's beautiful. I love that. And I call this Leading Edge Love Radio Um, because that's exactly Mm. the kind of thing that I want to cultivate and see more of. And when I find something like that, I really want to spread the word that we are creating new ways of connection, human connection, and uh, really loving each other in in creative ways. And especially in this time of social media and the digital age, it's so great to have uh, opportunities like that to really connect. And it's ironic that, you are able to create it through Facebook, (laughs) but yet it's an in-person connecting activity. So that's kind of ironic. Yeah, exactly. And it's Facebook is such a great tool for that. And we share videos and inspiration, but really the most magic happens when we actually gather together. And, you know, I really believe as you probably do too, that we can achieve peace on earth and creative solutions to all of our problems with starting with love and connection and affection and, you know, coming up with creative ways to be more curious and playful when conflicts arise, because we're going to have conflicts, but I think there are ways of managing them that, Mm-hmm. There harm. are. There's a lot of technologies for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been learning learning how to lead uh, Zeg forums recently because um, I love the technology that that teaches us how to um, 
stay in love in community because so often in communities we start to fight amongst ourselves and um, pull apart and people leave because they have resentments. And so the more we can learn those, those tools to stay in connection once we find each other, um, the mm. more we really can change the world. Yeah, I'm so glad you And I want to hear great. more about that too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, I'll probably do a show on the Zeg Forum at some point in the future too. Okay, great. cool. Well, I'm really excited, Karen, about your upcoming memoir called Pod Life, A Mother's Midlife Journey to Ethical Non-Monogamy. That's a mouthful. So why don't we break yeah. it down and start with um, what does pod life mean? Well, I have this idea, too, that if we look at dolphins who live in pods um, and they subsist on joy and they and they use their breath in such a way that they can release tension as they, you know, when they go up for air, they do this big out of their blowhole and that calms them down and they're really communicative. So I'm writing a memoir because I too have noticed in both couples, communities, wherever people come together, despite our best intentions, conflicts come up. So how do dolphins deal with conflicts? Well, they use their blowhole and their breath. And so how might we emulate them with our breath? And also they're non-monogamous and they play with each other. They rub on each other. They use Hmm. affection and sexual play to calm themselves down, to stay, you know, joyful and it's hetero and homo they they're just very i didn't know that i learned something (laughs) every day that dolphins are non-monogamous wow that's amazing exactly (laughs) and they say they're more intelligent than humans so maybe they know something we don't yeah and they swim (laughs) in pods and so yeah they're not limiting their affection and sexual connections to just you know a couple or or a same-sex or different-sex couple, they play with lots of people in their pods, and pods are up to 150 dolphins. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds similar to the bonobo monkeys. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they communicate yeah, really clearly, and they are even open to playing with other species like us and teaching us so I just thought Mm -hmm. hmm, how could they influence our human condition in a positive way perfect well that's a great title I get it now (laughs) and then let's talk about the subtitle a mother's midlife journey to ethical non-monogamy so tell us a little bit about your journey to uh, both becoming non-monogamous and also becoming an author Yeah, sure. Well, the becoming an author part is easier to talk about. It's a lot less vulnerable because it's okay. You know, even though artists sometimes struggle and and it has been challenging for me to make my writing my number one priority and really say this is what I want to focus on right now. 
but even more so than on monogamy piece because it's just not well understood or received. So really the journey is about having the courage to follow my heart. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that non-monogamy was an option when I got married and had kids and, but I was in love with two men and, you know, I proceeded to do what most, what's very common is have a relationship with both, but keep one hidden and then it just wore on me. And so I started practicing Kundalini yoga and the, the mantra that you repeat over and over and over is truth is my identity. And I just felt like I had to out myself to my husband mm. and um, that was not a wise choice. It was like self um, punishing to do it in the way I did it because he, he couldn't. And, and now I understand so much more. I mean, even then I could understand why he made the choices he made. Cause we had just come back. He's Italian. I'm American. We just moved back to California. This other man was in California and it was just a lot for him to, to handle. So as a result, he took our kids back to Italy and we had this huge international child abduction or child custody. And, you know, he was accusing me of being an unfit mother. He like was unlawfully keeping the kids, but trying to prove that they should live in Italy. It was a huge, painful, horrendous experience. And, Mm. You know, the good news is it all worked out. The the kids were brought back, but I didn't see my boys when they were three and five for eight months, and it was super, mm. super painful. And then mm. when he came back, we reconciled, and we worked on things again because I just I, – I had heard about polyamory during the – the separation, but it was so emotionally draining. And I, I kind of had conversations because I dated a couple of people the whole time that we were separated was two years. And, you know, but I didn't fully get that that was really who I was and what I wanted. And then shortly after reconciling with my husband, um, I met someone and I talk about that in the book, who was practicing ethical mm-hmm. non-monogamy. And he kind of invited me to take a look at it. And I even spoke openly with my husband and asked him if he'd be open to looking at this. And he was just really adamant that if I wanted to do that, we needed to separate again and divorce. And it was I just wasn't ready to make that big of a shift Um, And I talk about all of that. And so we, I separated again from him two years ago and Mm -hmm. just again, sensing that I was more non-monogamous than monogamous and not, I wasn't with anyone else at the time. It wasn't like to go be with someone else. It was just this deep sense that I had that 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 was my way and mm-hmm. you know and I've been on a journey since separating again to making my way 
to ethical non-monogamy because Mm -hmm. that in itself, a lot of people, um, they want to have a relationship, but they don't want to be honest with everyone who it affects. And so I've learned a lot about, you know, and, and then dating other men who were more monogamous and they wanted to be the only ones. And so my book again describes, you know, everything I've learned and experienced both mm-hmm. in my marriage and since I made this choice. And what's most fun is the people that I talk about in my book want to be included and they want their real names used. <laughs> so, mm, wow. So that's, that's, great. that's kind of the litmus test that it's all fully above board and. And that everybody is fully consenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that's vulnerable to do that. Um, and mm-hmm. I was struck by how it really is kind of the default in our society is that if you do love more than one person, the default is to hide that because we don't really mm-hmm. have models for how to love more than one person. Um, we don't really have a guidebook. <laughs> We're all kind of making right. it up as we go. So that's the default. So congratulations to you for becoming really clear that you are non-monogamous and taking that step out into the world, um, being a, a single mother, non-monogamous mm-hmm. person. It takes a lot of courage. So I just want to congratulate you for the clarity that you've gotten around who you are. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, and so then you talked about your kids, um, and I know that's a whole issue around um, non-monogamous parenting or polyamorous parenting. Um, how has how are your kids doing now, and do you talk to them at all about non-monogamy yet? No, I don't talk to them directly. Again, um, things are going much better with their dad, but... I just don't want to rock the boat in that way before our divorce is final. And, and it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's always an interesting thing, even in the legal world. um, It's just not understood. And, and it's so important to me to have a relationship with them and be in their lives that I would hate for my lifestyle choice to have them be, you know, to not have access to them. So I haven't directly talked to them about it. Um, I, I am interested in, in writing a book for teens on ethical Mm non-monogamy or just open relationships, because I certainly know, I didn't know anything about it growing up. And, and so as kids, I mean, my boys are both, giving classes in school now about all the different gender identities and even that for them is a lot to handle because, you know, Mm -hmm. just they're just coming into their own bodies and and trying to understand themselves. But why not know that this is a viable option and that they don't Mm -hmm. have to live that narrative of like, find the one person and live happily ever after, which doesn't Mm -hmm. usually work out. For many people. <laughs> right. So, 
Yeah. yeah, one of my favorite speakers, Esther Perel, talks about how you know we're all we're all not we're all monogamous. You know, the default world is monogamous only to the degree that they are having a relationship with one person at a time, but they still have multiple relationships over the course of their life. Um, so this old world. Um, picture of you know you fall in love with one person when you're 20 something and then you live with them the rest of your life that just does rarely exist anymore um, so to ha- uh, to share options with people show that they actually have choices that they may, be, may have never thought of before is very powerful so I, I love that idea I totally support you writing a book for young people it's great yeah thanks let's see First yeah. to get the, the and first I get, one I get it. out. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I get the first one out. Yeah. Sure. But, but no, I get it how until your divorce is final at least or until they're a little older, we do have to watch our P's and Q's around children and the hysteria in our world around alternate lifestyle choices can lead to our doom. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I was surprised in the first ordeal it was my yoga practice you know that got scrutinized and it was just yeah what can get grabbed onto and it was my most grounding sanity and yet yeah it's interesting how things can you were you were judged for doing yoga at first well and i'm a kundalini yoga teacher and it's you know Uh they wear white turbans and so in all the ridiculous things that people do and to try to make other people look bad they just grab things off the internet they said it was a cult they said all this and it was it's funny when you look at it when it's all said and done and none of it held up of course but it was not mm-hmm. fun to go through, you know, I had to have mm. all kinds of crazy exams and things to prove I was actually sane. Oh, <laughs> and my I, goodness. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm so glad you came out the other side of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, when you were, when you were talking about um, dolphins using their exhalation, to release mm-hmm. stress, it made me think of Kundalini Yoga and the breathing work that comes from yoga, the breath work, and how that's very similar to what you're talking about the dolphins do. Yeah, it kept me, I could not have gone through that whole nightmare without my daily practice. And it's all about mm-hmm. awareness of breath and syncing movement with breath and yeah, no one has to be a yoga teacher or even a practitioner to just get the benefits of conscious breathing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's all take a deep breath right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> Thank you so much, Karen. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, um, so I believe that you have a passage from your book that you want to read for us, right? Yeah, I have a passage. I also have a poem. The poem's kind of long. What do you think? How's our how's our time? 
Oh, our time is fine. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear your poem and okay. then also the passage. From, is the poem in your book as well? Yes, it's actually the opening standalone page because it sums up sums up sort of my approach to life. So mm-hmm. it doesn't specifically talk about non-monogamy, but it's it's just the way I the way I aspire to live, basically. <laughs> Great. Okay, well, I'd love to hear the poem, and then you can follow that with the passage from your book. So go ahead. We're going to kick back and hear and be read to. It's, it's lovely to be read to, so please indulge mm-hmm. me. <laughs> okay, great. The poem is called Take Me. Take me frustration over the yearning for mastery. Now! Yesterday! Back to patient persistence. Word by word, dance by dance, breath by breath, on earth as it is in heaven. Take me irritation, take me grouchiness, take me judgment for feeling these things, even though nothing is particularly wrong. Get me so riled up that I reach out for help, perhaps to receive love, perhaps to be of service to the one I thought might help me. Take me exuberant joy one moment, wrenching doubt and grief the next. Thank you for showing me again and again emotions move and change as do the skies and tides. Oh, bravado that appears as I explore new love. Take me to your underbelly of tenderness. Show me how to be authentically strong and heart open. Grant me the courage to explore the unknown depths of generative intimate relationship as never before. Take me impatience with all the details, timing, necessary derailments I cannot know in advance or control. Return my attention to breath, body, creative expression, trust in the unfolding perfection and its often puzzling yet also dazzling ways. Take me life. Have your full way with me. Manhandle me. Caress me sweetly. Strip me bare of whatever shields I deploy of unnecessary protection. Show me which boundaries are indeed requisite to wholeness. Then, how to be kind yet firm in keeping them. Smile. Then show me your tears through beaming eyes. Open me to the grace, the goodness, the innocence in myself and every living being. Not naively, but with a commitment so brilliant that whatever judging, punishing, violent energy that remains in self or other has no choice but to bow down, surrender itself, to delight, 
have a grand guffaw over it all. That's wow. Oh my gosh. Oh, that was amazing. (laughs) I can see why you said you want to have that be the guiding light of your life. Mm. Ooh, beautiful. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, just letting that sink into all my cells. Hmm. <laughs> okay, you ready to read the passage? Yeah, the passage is even edgier. <laughs> and there oh, are okay, good. <laughs> just so people know in advance. Well, we, I try we, to use we rated it, the show you know, with yeah, we gave it okay. an R rating. So, yeah. All right. So if you're offended by f bombs, um, turn your Ascended meter down. (laughs) This is from chapter one. Or just pause and come back in a second. Um, How pushed down on the carpet, then ravished, grateful I am to have finally embraced my fullest sexual power in a direct, ethical, adult way to have surrendered once and for all the delusion that if I reveal who I am and what I truly want, ethically open relationships that honor me as an autonomous artist and mother, first and foremost. Oops, I hear a little siren go by. I'll wait. <laughs> Sorry, we call that That the brought on the sirens. That, that first scene brought out the sirens, right? <laughs> That's right. So, okay. I'll repeat the. So, if I reveal who I am and what I truly want, ethically open relationships that honor me as an autonomous artist and mother, first and foremost, I'll lose the people who don't take care of me anyway. I have hidden behind sweet, I have hidden behind silent. I've hidden behind only saying what's kind, but not what's true. I've hidden to avoid conflict. I've hidden to keep the peace. I've hidden to not hurt people. I've hidden because I think it's caring. I've hidden because I fear losing my sons again. I've paid tens of thousands of dollars many times over to be coached or trained out of hiding, to find my true north to release whatever is holding me back. I've burst out once in a while like a brilliant firework of colorful swirls and sparks, only to duck back into the comfortable shade where the fires of my pure pussy power wouldn't consume me. The shield became more fragile and less convincing, perhaps, but intact enough that I still ducked behind it imagining I wasn't being seen, withheld wanton to uphold the appearance of the good girl. I played up responsible, helpful soccer mom, eternal optimist and cheerleader, loyal, generous friend, wise, conscious, light-bearing soul, wholesome, healthy body, towered from my fullest power, denied the stunning sexual aspects of my radiant magnificence, was both seduced and bullied by the oh-so-pervasive monogamy myth again and again. 
last night, which was November 21st, 2016, on a first date, I was seen in my full power, attended to, then fucked, really, really well fucked, pushed to extreme presence by pain, yet not harmed, cherished as delight I am. I was fucked by a man who could meet me, meet me in tenderness, but more importantly, meet my wildest, snarling, tigress, empress, and dominate even her. He left no space for me to duck into a story in my head or leave the strong sensations in my most tender places. He penetrated me with pure presence, held me in pulsing, awake, right here, right now, pierced by his eyes, trusting, attuned to my racing heart and breath. Wow. Mm, thank you for reading that. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> in case yeah, in case you're just in case you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio with your host Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach, sumatisparks.com, and we're speaking with Karen Amore about ethical non-monogamy. So, there was a, a piece that you read about your tigress coming out and that he could dominate even her. And that really touched me because I've had partners in the past who tried to squash my bigness. And I used to tell them, no, you just have to get even bigger. (laughs) Mm. And so I really love how you articulated that, even her. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of like our female training to hide ourselves and be sweet and nice and to be able to be your full female self and still have the presence of a strong man holding that and penetrating that is so powerful. Uh, yeah, and even more amazing, I love the way he has another partner, and this was fully vetted by her as well, and that was even more amazing to me. And, and I go on to describe all the dynamics that led up to that date and how... You know, I had a long conversation with his domestic partner, and it was all Mm. 100% consensual for everyone. So that, too, was just amazing. (laughs) Beautiful. And that's when you knew this can really work. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked a lot about hiding. Um, how how do you stay out of hiding on an ongoing basis? I know that we're not perfect and we probably slip into it sometimes, but what is your practice to stay stay in your tigress and stay in your pussy power as you call it? <laughs> well, it's a lot about courage. And courage actually comes from French heart core forward. So it's that heart forward living and choosing Ooh, more sirens are coming for the courage. Yeah, I tell you, it's, <laughs> it's an exciting <Okay>. neighborhood. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But I take that as like, just like I do in sessions, if I'm working with a client, anything that comes up like that is actually perfect because it's highlighting Mm -hmm. what we're talking about and saying like, Mm -hmm. we're on fire. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, They're coming for us because we are on fire. Uh, So (laughs) courage. And I, and I really make a conscious, practice and that's what I talk about in the poem too of letting whatever comes into my experience be perfect and move toward it especially those things that I really don't want to feel and you know you and you witnessed me in one of those moments at my birthday party Um, it just really takes grounding, centering myself. I use writing to get, okay, what's real? Breath, of course, taking deep breaths, coming back to what is actually right in front of me right now? And what is my mind spinning into a whole story about that I really am not experience so there's a discipline to it as well and then moving toward my uncomfortable emotions and I'll talk a little later about uh, a process that I use um, to uncover their their positive intent well I can talk about it now it's called core transformation and is this something it's that you do with your clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, okay. and I practice with myself, and that's just mm-hmm. asking the, the jealousy, the tenderness, the fear, what, what it wants for me. And then you keep digging in and listening, and there's a whole – process that will lead to an essential quality and and then you move backward and you offer that essential quality to the whole the whole list of things that that so-called negative emotion wants for you because everything that happens in our lives I believe has a positive intent is designed to help us grow in some way it just may feel like shit (laughs) in the moment but there is some way through it to learning to growing and learning to love ourselves more well that's beautiful because one of the most common questions I get about open relationships is how do you deal with jealousy and uh, mm. that's just one, one, it's just an emotion like any other negative emotion. And I guess some of that came up for you, just so people know, uh, Karen gave me permission in advance to talk about what came up for her at her mm-hmm. birthday party. Um, a little, je- maybe a little jealousy came up for you there. And also I was wondering this process that you're talking about, if maybe we could get a little edgy and and maybe you could use the process on me on like a real thing that I'm experiencing. Absolutely. Would you like I'd be maybe kind to. of do a role mm-hmm. play and yeah and show us how it works? 
Sure. Because that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the I mean, my, the issue that's up for me right now is not about jealousy in open relationships. It's just a, an example of a negative emotion. And I thought maybe mm-hmm. we, could, we could do the process right now so people can understand better how it works. Absolutely. Okay, great. Okay, so should I just tell you a little bit about what's going on? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm feeling um, a lot of fear in my body because my roommate, my only roommate, the only person I live with, we were very close, and she uh, sometimes needs some alone time. And so we have a little code where she puts a a certain thing on her door so I know that she's needing her alone time. And this time it's gone on for three weeks. (laughs) And I don't know how to – yeah, I don't know how to interact with her. I don't I, I don't know what to do other than, like, let her know if someone's coming over because she's asked me not to interact with her. And so it's, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I keep thinking, is it about me? Did I do something? I don't know what I did. And so there's this fear in my body that I feel so scared to even ask her. And the more time goes on, the more I feel like I can't ask her anymore because it's been too long or something. I don't know. I just feel so scared mm-hmm. to even address the issue anymore and I've just been wondering like what is that old feeling around fear um, the fear that comes up when I think of someone not talking to me or blocking me out of their life for, for a reason I don't understand or don't know mm. so maybe you mm. can do your little process on me yeah so thank you so much for for requesting and suggesting we do this it will help if we can so would the would the emotion like to be called fear if you just close your eyes take some deep breaths feel locate that place in your body where you're most aware of this fear and yeah it's some fear texas it's definitely a fear, and it's kind of centered in my solar plexus. And so would it, and we're going to speak directly to the fear and just have you keep breathing into the solar plexus. So ask, or I will, may I ask you questions, fear? Are you willing yeah. to have a conversation with me? Sure. And would you... Okay, thank you. Would you like to be called fear? Yeah, that's okay. Okay. Thank you. So, fear, what... Do you most want for Sumati? I want her to feel safe and protected. Hmm. Thank you. And if she feels safe and protected, if Sumati is actually as safe and protected as she could possibly, possibly be, then what more important 
it may be a, an experience, it may be a, an emotion. What what's more important that you want for her? More important than feeling safe and protected. Mm-hmm. If there is something. people to be nice to me and yeah Hmm. so you fear want people to treat Sumati well and to be nice and kind and for her to experience good connections with people who are close to her right does that sound right Yes. Yeah. And if everyone around Sumati, including her current roommate, um, were super kind and nice and respectful and she felt completely safe and protected, both at home and wherever she is, is there anything else that you want for her? I guess on more of a meta level, I want her to not be affected by other people's choices, whether they're nice to me or not, that 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 not affect me so much that I be able to know that it's not about me and that I can still feel calm and happy regardless of how other people are behaving. Hmm. Thank you. How beautiful. So you want her to feel calm and happy no matter what is going on with the people around her, even those that are most close that share her home with her. What a beautiful right. What a beautiful thing. So if she was able to be safe and protected, people were nice, and that yet those who weren't nice, it just sort of rolls off her and her center remains calm and peaceful no matter what's going on around her. Is there anything else that you want for her? Mm, well, that would be pretty awesome. And I'm going to stop our process now just for the sake of time. I think that really gives okay. us... A, a great example of the work. So thank you. That was really beautiful. I could see how that could go yeah, on for and, a while and, and get very deep. Yeah, and the the final one of being at peace and calm despite outer circumstances is one of the core the core states. So we could mm-hmm. have then ask the fear if it was willing to live in its core state and then work backwards, like, how do you feel around people who aren't treating you well from that core state of peace? How is it when people are nice to you and you're in that core state of peace? And then how is it 
how does that affect your sense of safety and protection and well-being? And, and you, we would just really anchor it in your body because it's all, mm. it all gets into you on a cellular level. And then you can even oh, see that. feel that physical anchors maybe in the solar plexus where the, it was showing up as tension and fear. You can, anytime you sense that, in your solar plexus, that tension, have it be a reminder of your core state of peace. Does that make sense? Mm. Absolutely. I love that. And I can see how that would be mm-hmm. so helpful with jealousy because that's the quintessential example of other people doing things <laughs> that you can't control and to be able to stay in that state of I'm okay, I'm lovable, I'm sexy, I'm worthy, regardless of how your partners are behaving. It's such an important tool to have. So I could see how that yeah. inquiry would be very helpful with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. It is. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Yeah, so um, I want to talk a little bit about other common questions that people usually have about ethical non-monogamy or open relationship. Um, I've got a few things here. Um, The first one is, I often hear this, how do you deal with safe sex? How do you deal with Uh STDs and STIs? Yeah, you know, it's so much less complicated than people think. We get to open our mouths and have the the status check-in before, you know, I did that on the date that I described in that passage I read. We paused and we had the STI check-in, and I had been tested recently. I personally get tested every few months and it's just part of what I do as self-care and other care. And I use non-latex condoms because that's most comfortable for me. And I have a little like sexy practice calling them the golden ticket and, and really knowing that that is a gift to myself and my partners of honoring and honoring everyone involved and myself because I used to not use condoms and then freak out and go get tested. And thankfully I, that part of the journey has not been one that I've had to face. I haven't, I've been blessed to not have any sexually transmitted infections. Um, But just, the peace of mind I get from using condoms and having those conversations up front is so worth the dis, the temporary discomfort of, you know, breaching the subject. And people mm-hmm. in our communities are pretty good about being up front about that and, mm-hmm. and being honest. And what did you because, mean by the, what did you mean by the golden ticket? Oh, well the, the non latex condoms that I use, are in like a gold package, so I just oh like the okay, it. and then when we put it on, okay. it's like a reverse striptease. You know, it's like oh, this is sexy instead of 
<laughs> thinking of it great. like, dang, I got to use a condom, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, cool. kind of well, reframe it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, absolutely. Thank you for that. And, yes, I've also experienced that, that the uh, safer sex conversation has become a, a ritual in the open relationship communities and it's expected now and it can be uh, a way that we really deepen intimacy with people. Mhm. Yeah. And then there's the yeah. and then there's the heart the, the there's also the safer heart conversation. I just heard that term the other day. There's the safer sex conversation and the safer heart conversation that mm. you can have right after the safer sex conversation where you talk about what what you need, um, what you emotionally need mm-hmm. from your partner. Do you need you need them to call you the next day? Do you need them not to call you the next day? <laughs> like, what, mm-hmm. what do you need to uh, to feel open hearted with this person? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And and yeah, that I think that happened with my most recent sweetie. He brought that up. Like, what's this going to mean for you and me emotionally if we start? Mm-hmm you know, a sexual relationship. And he was mm-hmm. the first person to, like, bring that up. And that is such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing to bring up along with the safer sex, safer heart. Oh, thank you. I like that a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Isn't that great? <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting close to running out of time, and I want to be sure that you have a chance to tell us anything else that you want to about the work that you do as a relationship and sexuality mentor? Mm-hmm. Anything yeah, else you well, want to say about that? I, well, one of my favorite things is when my clients outgrow me and we just get to be friends. <laughs> I mean, I'm friends with my clients all through the process because I don't look at it as a hierarchical relationship I just look mm-hmm. at it as sharing tools from my toolkit and giving compassionate this space and really open, non-judgmental listening. And yeah, and, and especially around betrayal and really big, icky situations that really don't feel good and how to mine the gems from them just like we did today briefly with you so Mm -hmm. but my favorite thing is when they're like yeah I'm good I got this (laughs) Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah that's a big joy for me Mm -hmm. beautiful well, Karen, it's been absolutely delightful talking with you, and I hope you'll come back again maybe after your book has been out for a while and we can see what conversations it's stirred up. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, would you like to tell our listeners how to get in touch with you? And also, I believe you have a gift for them. Oh, yeah. So this, my name is spelled a little bit differently. If you get out a pen and a piece of paper, you tap it into your your phone. Um, it's Karen K A R Y N. Why? Because that's the way my dad wanted to spell it, but I like it. So K A R, this is my email address. Um, K A R Y N 
at, and then my website is also my full name, KarenAmore.com. So again, K-A-R-Y-N-A-M-O-R-E. And yes, that's love in Italian, and it's real. (laughs) It's not a stage (laughs) name. In fact, I'm tempted to change it when the divorce is final to be a little more. But right now, that's it. KarenAmore.com. Oh, it's beautiful. I hope you don't change it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, And if you want to read, see the little photo essay that goes along with the poem that I read at the beginning of the show, it's on my website under the Inspirations tab. That's the word I use for my blog. And my website is also KarenAmore.com. And you can poke around on there. It's gone through many metamorphoses. But, yeah, you can get a sense of, of my work from, from my website. And for those of you listening today, I'd be delighted to offer the first 11 people who respond with an email to me at Karen at KarenAmore.com a 30-minute session to mine the gems. We would go even deeper into a process like I led Sumati through on the show. And, yeah, I'd just love to offer first 11 people who respond. And also anyone who sends me an email saying they're wanting to pre-order pod life, and you can just put that in the subject line, pod life pre-order to Karen at KarenAmore.com. I will get a signed hard copy of the book to to you for 50% off, which will be $11 instead of $22 for that pre-order. So, yeah, um, Podlife pre-order, Karen at KarenAmore.com. And I'd love to... Oh, that's very generous. Thank you. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, it's been really fun to be on the show. Awesome. Well, that's very generous of you. Yeah, people will jump on that. Okay, well, Karen, thank you again so much for sharing so much of yourself with us, and I wish you all the best with your book, and um, we'll hope to see it out there in the bookstore soon. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) thank you. Okay, we'll talk to you soon, Karen. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.